There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Brian Austin Green visits Washington, D.C. for the world premiere of his new movie, Bootyology, at the D.C. Independent Film Forum tomorrow. We spoke about the new indie flick, as well as the legacy of his role in Beverly Hills 90210. Brian Austin Green, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Of course, thank you for having me. Now we're talking because your new film, Bootyology, <laughs> fun, <laughs> fun title. I knew you were going to laugh as soon as I said it. Uh, it's going, I believe. It's, I just, I just love the idea of anybody seriously saying it. Right, right. Like, it, let's, it, let's discuss your new movie, Bootyology, you know? Yeah, I'm going to, so, I have to say, I'm going to like, yeah, let's discuss your Bootyology. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What inspired you to come up with the ology of a booty? No, <laughs> um, <laughs> what, no, we're talking because we should tell our listeners it's having its premiere at the at the DCIFF, the DC Independent Film Forum, on March yeah third, March um, March third at seven fifteen, and then uh, there's a Q and A uh, following that with Spencer Yaris and Chris Lightbody, who are Six Hole and, and Brown Eye um, from the group, um, Joe Eddie, the director, and, and Ryan Richter, the uh, producer. I love it. And will this, will this be the, the first place it's ever played? Is this the world premiere? It is. That is the absolute world premiere. Yeah. Awesome. That is so great. Well, um, before we get any further in, uh, hit, hit us with the premise. What's it about? I know it's like a, like a mockumentary, you know, like we've seen Spinal Tap and so many good yeah, ones. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, it is, it is a mockumentary in the sense of that it's, um, it, it is, it, like a large part of it is for entertainment purposes, but you know, there's, there's a reality to it. There's truth to it. I mean, the booty boys uh, existed in the early two thousands. They, they performed at different places in Los Angeles. They got a record deal uh, with a label and it turned out to be like a Ponzi scheme. And so it sort of fell apart, <laughs> but uh, they, they, they were around. I mean, they were, they were on the scene a little bit. So um, it's, it's, uh half documentary half mockumentary okay so there is actual yeah. docu- like there is actual it's like a documentary elements to this it's not yeah. it's not just people cast to play the booty boys yeah no when they when they first approached me about it um i was like god i haven't i haven't heard of them i thought the whole thing was a joke and they were like <laughs> oh no this is it, it's real they actually existed we have uh in the documentary you'll see um tons of film footage of them performing in in the early 2000s at different places um and then i think they're actually performing uh after the premiere on the third <laughs> like they're actually they'll be getting on stage and rocking a little bit so it's uh it's fun i for for any fan of of hip-hop or that time period or any of that it's a real it's a real fun sort of flashback to that 
Wow. So wait, yeah. So they disappeared mysteriously in like 2006 and now they're coming yeah. back to DC to perform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, they just got into their new lives and their new stuff, but, um, you know, hip hop and rap just never completely went away for them. And, and at one point they were like, you know, what? we have enough footage and enough stuff and we still have all of these like mixed and mastered songs. We should, uh, we should do something with this. <laughs> and so that's when they that's when they came up with the concept for for bootyology for this uh, this mockumentary. So and, wait, so so who's what's your what's your role in it then? Like on screen, who are you, who are you in the film? I'm I'm actually playing myself. So it it turns out that uh, that they talk about I don't know if it was just in the film or if it was in in, in real life, but one of the MCs that they really looked up to was me <laughs> in in the nineties. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so I come on to, you know, to obviously be on camera and, and sort of uh, support them, but it, it was, it's a, it's a real fun mockumentary style uh, interview. So it's, I'm playing myself as much as uh, I mean, you'll see there, there, there's as much me in it as uh, you know, as uh, you can obviously tell from watching. I mean, you can, you can tell when I'm sort of riffing and having fun and, and when I'm not, but it was a great, it's a great project. They're, they're super funny guys, everybody involved. Uh, Ryan, the, the producer, um, Joe, the director, just really fun, funny people. And, and so when they, when they called me up, the, the company that originally reached out to me, District 78, they, uh, they worked with Sharna on Dancing with the Stars. And so she had originally reached out. She had said to me, Hey, they, they reached out to me. They, they want you. They're doing this, uh, this mockumentary called the booty, the, the bootyology, uh, starring the booty boys. And the only reason I had e even really sort of heard about it and was connected to it was because of her. And then once I sat down, just the concept was so funny <laughs> to me. That's, and I'm always, I'm always looking for entertainment whenever I can get it, you know, it, it especially at this point in time with, with the, the current status of, of the, the world and the country, um, it's so divisive. And so, uh, you know, it just seems so negative. It's so fun to just kind of sit back and be able to enjoy yourself and laugh at something. And that's, that's what this, uh, that's what bootyology does. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's, it's so, it's so fun. I, I even love the poster for it. There's this peach that looks a little bit like a rump and then you got, yeah. <laughs> and then the, oh, yeah. and the, the, um, <laughs> the tagline on the poster is the best. No ifs, no ends, only buts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they were smart for sure. That's so great. That's so great. Well, uh, you know, while we have you on here, remind our listeners, um, you know, you said the Booty Boys, you know, knew you and loved you as an MC back in the 90s. But tell me about a little bit about your your journey, because you were you were born in California, right? In um, yeah, I was, like what, like I was born in California. I was born in North Hollywood, North Hollywood. So, yeah, yeah. So just remind us, remind us how you got into, you know, acting growing up around Hollywood. I feel like it's something that people are like, either either it's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with it or that's going to be my life. And you chose to do it. So, yeah. Tell us how you, you got know, into acting. So, you know, what's really funny about it is because my dad is a drummer professionally. And so I grew up with him touring and going to shows and doing that. So I I went to all music schools when I was younger and that was that was kind of my plans. I, I figured eventually I was going to be playing drums for somebody. 
Um, and a kid that I rode the bus with to school for elementary school, he always had um, really cool toys and stuff. And I was like, man, where, like, how, how do you get all this stuff? I don't understand. And he's like, oh, I do commercials. And, you know, and then my parents give me a, a let me keep a percentage of what it is I make. And so I, I buy games and stuff. I was like, that's awesome. Like, that's an amazing idea. Yeah. I was nine. So uh, I went home and I told my parents, like, hey, I want to, you know, I want to be an actor. And they were like, okay, sure. That's, you know, uh, last week you wanted to play guitar. Um, come back to us in six months. And if it's something that you're still like really interested in, in pursuing, then we'll, we'll look into it further and we'll, we'll get into it. And six months later, I had, I had done a few, I was going to an elementary school on the USC campus called 32nd Street. And uh, we used to have student directors from USC that would come over to our school and pick out kids for their graduate projects. And so I ended up doing a couple of those and I just really enjoyed it. Like I really enjoyed being on a set and sort of making something. I never saw the things when they were finished. Um, it wasn't about that. It was just about being there and making these and being a part of that process. And I didn't, up until that point, I didn't think that that was something that uh, average people could do. Uh, to me, television was this sort of magical, mystical box in place. And it was like, you know, only certain people were on it and they were in some like meta universe, you know, um, making these shows and commercials and all of that. And we were just lucky enough to see them. And at the point when I realized like, oh man, I can like I can make commercials and do this. Um, it really just sort of took off for me. I was, uh, I, I, I ended up meeting with and signing with my friend's agent. Um, I went on tons of auditions. I booked my first commercial like a year into it just because I didn't have a complete understanding of what it was I was doing. And once I booked my first commercial, then I felt like, oh, I, I get this, like I can do this. And then I booked commercial after commercial after commercial. And I, I probably did 75 of them. Wow. Um, 75 yeah. commercials. Wow. And oh, then yeah. I guess that, that leads to Knott's Landing, right? Didn't, wasn't that your first big, uh, set, which yeah, of course was so a, I did, so a, a Dallas spinoff. I did Knott's Landing from age 10 to 14 and a half. And I was doing that while I was doing commercials and doing, doing a lot of stuff. And that was really, that was cool because that set was all adults. So I really had to pay attention to what was going on and really be, be a bit of an adult myself and take it seriously. And I learned a lot um, on that set. And that was, that was my first big uh, introduction into the world of, celebrity and teen magazines at that point and all of that because there there weren't many of us so the ones that were working and doing stuff were all over everything and at that point you only had like five or six teen magazines and uh i was in all of them from that show because i was i was really the only kid on that show Right. And then if you thought that was a lot, then I'm sure <laughs> 90210 was right. you were just yeah. over everything. How, how yeah. did um how did uh the creator you know Darren Starr and then producer Aaron Spelling, how did they find you? How did you how did they pluck you to do that? Because David so, Silver became iconic. Yeah, so so what I heard 
what I've what I've heard since um, and had heard during was that Tori used to read a lot of teen magazines because that was Tori and I are the same age. And she used to see me in teen magazines from Knott's Landing. So no way. <laughs> when, when 90210 came around, she told her dad, like, hey, you should see this guy because um, he's already in these and, and doing stuff. So it wasn't I don't think I was on Darren Starr's radar because Darren hadn't really done much of anything at that point. I mean, 90210 was sort of this big uh, this big project for him. And it was a big thing for Aaron because it was kind of his last go around. If it didn't succeed, he was going to bow out gracefully and, you know, say, and having made uh, a couple dozen, you know, amazing shows at that point. So, uh, so we did the pilot for it. I, I auditioned for it. I, I auditioned um, with Doug Emerson and, and a few of the other people, Ian Ziering and a couple of the other people that, that were on the show. Um, and, uh, did the pilot and then sort of the rest is is history i guess well what was so great about <laughs> yeah it really is tv history you know it's it's yeah. it's funny to say that because you know you grew up doing it and i you know, we all grew up watching it and so it's weird to say say the word history but i guess like, yeah looking back at your part you were part of tv history what was what what do you think made the show so special and, and that role i mean you guys tackled a lot of you know teen issues and that kind of stuff but you know what explain to some maybe maybe like a younger listener who, who doesn't they can't quite grasp what it was like like you know pre-streaming like tv this was like must watch stuff man yeah yeah this was this was a i mean a, a show like this i don't think would have survived in i mean I've not even i don't think i know it wouldn't have survived in a time period like like the current one uh it really it really changed lives when it came out because up until that point there was nothing like it that had ever been on television there was never a nighttime drama that was just for kids starring kids um that followed their lives exactly like when it was when it was uh spring break we had spring break episodes on the show when we had you know um the the fall dance it would be the fall dance in real life like it was we our show followed the act the absolute pattern of of school and and because the internet didn't exist at that point and there was no way of real fact checking. Uh, it just forced people to sit and watch it and enjoy it, um, you know, brainlessly or otherwise. And uh, Aaron Spelling was really a genius with that. He understood that people needed that escape. And that's exactly what the show was. And it was, it ended up being an escape for an entire decade. It really was. Uh, I mean, in the yeah, whole time, shocking. I mean, cast member, cast members came and went, but I feel like you were, you weren't, you one of the few that was there the whole run. And even on the, even there. on the pilot of uh, the spinoff Melrose place, you were on that too. I, like, weren't you one I of the was, ones that, yeah. was, that lasted the whole way? I was there the whole way. Uh, Ian was there the whole way. Jenny was there. Uh, Tori was there. Um, Luke wasn't there. Jason wasn't there the whole time. I think uh, I think we were the 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 main the main four that that stuck it out and were there for all ten years. Um, where you know as as negative or positive as as that can be looked at. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing run. I mean, it was it was really amazing to have spent my my young life doing it, and then all of a sudden be on something that you know we would get 
season pickups, not for a season. We would get like, oh, you're picked up for the next three seasons. And it was like, oh man, so I'm here. I have another three years of job security. <laughs> like I'm, right. I'm good. You know, I like, I'm just doing other stuff just because it's, I'm passionate about it and it's, and it's fun. I mean, that's, that's when I really got in the studio and started getting back into my music because I had the time and the freedom to do it. It was, I, I had guaranteed income and, and music had never been that for me. So it was, it, it bought me a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, the character on the show kind of goes into music right around you're doing music in real life. It kind of mirrored yeah. itself. It was kind of fun watching yeah. that. Um, did you, do you know, when, after that, do you sit back and, and watch, you know, all these other imitations, you know, and we mentioned Melrose place, but do you sit back and you see, you know, every time you see a Dawson's Creek or the OC or one tree Hill, I think you did a cameo me or something, tried out for it or something, but yeah, anyway. I was, I, I was, uh, they were talking to me about, uh, coming and doing, um, doing a season or so of one tree Hill, but then it ju it just didn't work out. Okay. Yeah. But my question was when you see all these imitators, like all those shows, do you sit back and just with like a smile of pride, like, you know, Hey, you know, we started all that. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think they're imitators. I mean, you know, we opened, we opened a door um, right. with the show, but that's, that's what people have done since the beginning of time. I mean, you know, for the most part, original ideas are sort of, they're, they're done. Now it's all sort of, spinoffs of pre-existing concepts and ideas and uh and and i'm happy for everyone that's that's had success in uh in that genre of of television because it's not it's not an easy one it's a very fickle one it, it's not um there there are a ton of them and there are only a few that really hit and do well and then the rest sort of come and go and there there are a handful of them that you know that spelling did uh after 90210 models inc and I, there were the, there were shows where it was like the, it, it wasn't a tried and true uh genre it was you you just had to have a cast that struck some sort of magical chord and and people were interested and wanted to watch um and so to everybody that made it and survived that uh kudos to them i mean it's not yeah, tv in general is not it's not an easy industry it's not if it was everybody would be making television every network would be on top and uh everybody'd be making a billion dollars doing it and uh, you know and you don't know i mean you have you have you know, big time movie stars cross over and do television shows that that fail and you and you just saw their name and you thought for sure like oh well that's gonna go for 10 years and then and then when it doesn't you're just reminded again of of the reality that it's there there is no uh consistent formula that works and and you you jump in and do it and you hope that you have something interesting enough for people to want to come back and watch yeah. The same, I'm sure the same with you doing, doing a radio show, you know, it's like there, there are a million radio shows, but, it, but you do something that is different that, uh, that keeps people coming back and listening. 
We're trying to. Thanks for thanks for that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it, you're so right. It's so unpredictable. Like you you yeah. can't you can't predict. Like you said, there would be a million shows, but there there was only yeah. one Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Well, I guess and you did you did a little uh, reboot in BH nine hundred two one zero. So so yeah. yeah, like but yeah, it's 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 really hard to predict. But um, yeah. Let, remind our listeners really quick, um, because I'm sure after that, you know, it, it, you, it'd be so easy to get sort of typecast in the team thing. But remind them of some of the other stuff you've done outside of that box, because uh, you, oh. you were Derek on the Terminator, the Sarah Chron- yeah. Connor Chronicle. That was fun. Lot, I've done a lot of stuff. I've had I've been really uh, blessed with my career. I've done probably seven or eight sh- like season or two of shows. I did. Uh, Resurrection Boulevard, which was a Showtime show when 90210 ended. Um, I did uh, Terminator. I did Desperate Housewives. I did a show um, on, uh, um, what was that network? Wedding Band, it was called. Um, I've, I mean, I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've, I've had a pretty, I've, I've worked pretty consistently. I've been, I've been really, uh, really lucky that way. Uh, I did Freddie for ABC. I did anger management for uh, FX with Charlie Sheen. Smallville. Um, yeah. Smallville. I just had a little run on the Connors, which uh, hopefully at some point soon I'll be going back to. That was a lot of fun. Um, I, I just, it's, I've, again i've been super blessed i can't i can't complain at all and even if i could i shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) absolutely man and we've seen you just sort of uh uh, you know i I know you've been generous with your time but just i guess more recently we've seen you showing up show up in a lot of those like reality competitions like mass singer and uh dancing with the stars and all that kind of stuff how fun is it that now you're at that point where your celebrity is is as such where where you get invited to do kind of cool little things like that so they've been so masked singer uh the 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 main reason that i had uh, decided to do that show was because i grew up with robin thick and so i thought that would be fun to see how long i could go uh and how long it would take for robin to guess it was me which he never did um not to say that he's not good on that show but he's not very good he's not he he's he, his eye for detail uh doesn't really exist in that format um, so, uh, so I did, I did that show. Um, and then, uh, then they came to me after that and said, Hey, we're going to do this mass dancer. Do you want to do a season of that? And, uh, so I ended up being, um, being one of the uh, panelists on that. And then dancing with the stars was, it just sort of worked out. You know, they'd come to me for God, 13 seasons before that. And it had been a hard pass for me. Just because I don't, I, I'm an actor. I don't, I, I don't want to be a dancer. I, I have no, I'm not competitive that way. It's like, I, you know, I'm not going to do this dancing show and then try and be the best dancer that's there. Like I want, I want to pull everybody up with me and give everybody kudos for working as hard as they do. And, you know, and be, create a family sort of vibe there as I do with, with everything. But uh, I was, I was, and am still with, with Sharna and, and that's, you know, she grew up dancing. I mean, that she's incredibly passionate about, um, about dancing and she's amazing at it. And so when they approached me and they said, Hey, so obviously we want to have you and Sharna paired up together. Uh, it just seemed like the right timing. There, there wasn't much 
with the pandemic, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, and it was a really cool way for me to understand better her passion for something and really, uh, and, and do it and get it. And I, I left that experience having so much more respect and understanding of what she puts into it. it it's not, it, it's, it's not an easy job. It's not an easy space to be in. And what she has accomplished in her career is really monumental. Uh, I mean, she's one of the top female dancers in the world. Um, and, and you dance with her and it's, it becomes quickly apparent that she is. And uh, it, was, it was a really amazing learning experience um, being in a rehearsal room and then going through that with her. Wow. And didn't you, uh, didn't you, didn't you, the two of you announced that you're, you have a big announcement earlier this month, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we have a baby due on uh, the 4th of July. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And Sharn is Australian. She was like, you know, leave it to me to uh, want the birth of my first child to be like a national holiday and for, <laughs> for there to be fireworks and all of that. Um, it's a Yankee yeah, doodle super, dandy born on the 4th yeah, of July. <laughs> exactly. We're super excited for it. I, I'm just so blessed. She's going to be such an amazing mom. She already is an amazing um, mother to my, my kids now. And is so they love having her around. She's so great just in their lives and great in mine. And um, I'm so thankful and lucky to have that situation. I've, I've gone through, I've had such a crazy two years to come out of it with such an amazing relationship and, and an amazing partner uh, is, is just way more than I ever could have imagined. But it's amazing, you know, sometimes one door has to close like really for another door to open. And, and I feel like that's what uh, the past two years with every, all the negative, that was just a big catalyst for me for, for change and really finding who I wanted to be as a person and a parent and as a, as a friend and, and as a son and, and all of that. And um, I've, I've, it's been a 180 for me, absolutely the past few years. And and she is just the absolute culmination of that. She's the pinnacle of all of it. Well, thank you so much for generously um, volunteering all of that. And I, I make a point not to talk uh, who's dating who and tabloid stuff. But, <laughs> uh, people people know your story and can look at all that up, I'm sure. But uh, you know I mean, what? I just I just tend to open up about stuff. I mean, I like it's I, good. There's there's stuff that's off limits for me that I won't get into, but stuff like that i think it's important for people to know that uh that like you know life is a is a roller coaster and you got to hang on and be ready for the ride because it's going to bring you all sorts of ups and downs and it's it's honestly about who you choose to be i think who you choose to be during it because that's that's the control that you have Absolutely. And you know what? And looking back, we would have never got you as the Transformer Bumblebee on SNL if it wasn't for that, all those ups and downs, you know, we got to That's see true. That. Yes. <laughs> that, that was the peak for sure. <laughs> exactly. No, well, the peak absolutely is going to be bootyology. I said, I said it without laughing. Bootyology. But no, uh, it's going to be playing at the uh, DCIFF world premiere 
um, on March 3rd. And uh, as as Brian Austin Green said, the, the actual rap duo, the Booty Boys, the real L.A.-based group is going to be coming yeah. and performing. So, Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll be doing a, a Q&A after, after the, uh, the show, and then they'll be performing as well. Awesome. Well, we, yeah. we can't wait. Um, seriously, man, thank you so much for joining us and opening up and talking and taking us through the career. And I mean, it, it, this was a lot of fun. Dude, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.